Well, I do want to invite you this morning to open your Bibles to John, John chapter 14, and those who, who are at home watching on Facebook and, and those who may see this video, this, uh, this video in the future, I would also invite you to open your Bibles because that's, that's, uh, where, um, that's where our focus is going to be this morning. Without God's Word, we have very little to say. I know I don't. Yeah, so uh, John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verses 25 through 31, as we continue our exposition through the Gospel of John. I know we have spent a little bit of time on this little section of verses right here. I always think I'm going to cover some territory, uh, but, you know, it's not my plan. <laughs> Uh, my plan usually doesn't work out. And so hopefully you find this meaningful. Again, as we focus in on the role of the Holy Spirit this morning, it's going to be more, maybe you could call it a little bit of topical. I suppose as topical as I'll ever be. Uh, but nonetheless, as we uh, use this text to springboard off of this and to look at the role of the Holy Spirit this morning, the main, the main verse I will use for my, for my text will be verse 26. But I do want to read 25 through 31. In God's inspired and errant word reads, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will ascend in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing to do with me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let us go from here. Father, I ask a blessing upon the reading of your word, and now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you illuminate this text for us? And Father, I pray that as you who search the hearts and the minds, uh, you know exactly what each person needs this morning. Um, and so I pray, Lord, that you would work through and among us freely here this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The role of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to begin with a quote this morning from the person and work of the Holy Spirit by Reuben A. Torrey. And I quote, The conception of the Holy Spirit as a divine influence or power that we are somehow to get hold of and use leads to self-exaltation and self-sufficiency. One who so thinks of the Holy Spirit and who at the same time imagines that he has received the Holy Spirit will almost inevitably be full of spiritual pride and strut about as if they belong to some superior order of Christians. One frequently hears such persons say, I am a Holy Ghost man, or I am a Holy Ghost woman. But if we once grasp the thought that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty, in glory, in holiness, in power, who in marvelous condescension has come into our hearts to make his abode there and take possession of our lives and make use of them, it will put us in the dust and keep us in the dust. I can think of no thought more humbling or overwhelming 
than the thought that a person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me. End quote. Three weeks ago, we focused on the great mystery, the doctrine of the Trinity, showing proofs from Scripture the evidence of the Trinity, the person of the Father, the person of the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Our focus was on the Holy Spirit, a member, a person of the Trinity. Last week was on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am going, but I will send the Helper to indwell you. This day that He was speaking of, of the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, we know it and we call it as Pentecost. It was the day the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, never to be removed again. The Holy Spirit is given to every true and faithful believer and is not just for a few select special Christians. Romans 8, 9 tells us that you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. The true Christian has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will never leave or forsake the true Christian. So hopefully... That will kind of bring you up to speed if you haven't heard the, the prior two sermons on this text, on these texts. So I would invite you to go listen to them. And if you, if you have and you needed a refresher, as I often do myself, hopefully that'll catch you up to speed and be ready for where we're headed here this morning. And so today, this will be the last from this particular text and the final sermon anyways for now, I, I think, uh, on the Holy Spirit. And so today, uh, so you kind of know where we're headed, kind of give you just a, a little few bullet points for where we're going to go, uh, speaking of the role of the Holy Spirit. First, it's going to be the Holy Spirit's role is to convict. Holy Spirit's role is to convict the sinner. The Holy Spirit's role is to regenerate the sinner. The role of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the text the Holy Spirit's role is to, uh, to intercede in behalf of believers. And then finally, the Holy Spirit's role is to, is to guide, to guide. So this is where we're going to go. Convict, regenerate, illuminate, intercede, and guide, and guide. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict. And I'm going to jump around a little bit. Like I said, it's going to be a bit topical this morning. Uh, so I'm going to jump around just, just a little bit, uh, not focus in necessarily on the, on the text that I, that I read here, but I do want to try to stay within the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 16, verse 8, as we think about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, says there that He, the Holy Spirit, when He comes, will convict the world of sin. That's in 16, verse 8. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. And as we've seen last week, I believe it was, that we've seen that the world cannot see and cannot know the Holy Spirit. doesn't recognize the Spirit of God. It is the world who needs the Jesus, right? It is the, Holy, it is the world who needs the Holy Spirit. Those who are still 
left within their sins. And this is the precisely the role for the, of the Holy Spirit and in the coming of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. Now, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I think that maybe it's my job to convict the world of sin. That it's maybe my job to convict you of sin, because I know you all convict me, uh-huh, right? So, you know, I, I think that sometimes. It's like, well, it's my job to convict you, to convict the world of sin. I need to tell them everything that's wrong. I need to let them know what's going on. But no, no, it is our job. It is the role of the Holy Spirit to convict. It is our job to teach. It is our job to preach. It is our job to evangelize. It is our job to live as a faithful follower of Jesus and model Jesus, right? That's our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. If there's any convicting to be done, it is the Holy Spirit's role to convict. We may have, I may have the capacity to cause guilt in your life. And guilt may actually work for a short period of time. Right? I mean, we're all guilty of guilt, are we not? We know how to act. We know what to say. We know what people expect from us. Often I bounce things off my wife. And she's not here this morning. She went to visit our daughter. Uh, and so uh, um, I can talk about her because I doubt she'll watch this. Um, so I, I'll ask her sometimes, you know, hey, I got something I want to bounce off you. And she answers it. And I've realized that she doesn't give me the, what she's actually thinking. Probably just to shut me up, she says, okay, what answer is he looking for? What can I tell him just to make him go away, right? And just because I can get bogged down and stuff. But really, I want her her feedback, right? And so we know how to act, and she knows the answers I'm looking for because she's lived with me for too long, right? And we've gone to church all our life. We know the answers, and we can be stuck with that guilt, And guilt doesn't truly convict anyone. And we see it happen often in a person's life, that they've lived with guilt all their life, and all of a sudden something happens to them that we say they lost their faith. And we're like, well, what possibly happened? It's because they were living under this guilt and they weren't truly convicted by the Holy Spirit. And so we may have the capacity to convict someone, I mean, to make someone feel guilty in such a way, but guilt is quite different than being convicted by the Holy Spirit, right? I think you know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. Uh, The first role of the Holy Spirit is to convict. The second role of the Holy Spirit then in that vein, in that line, because it's going to be kind of progressive this morning as we go through this, uh, is to regenerate, right? It's to regenerate. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot receive or cannot enter the kingdom of God. Don't you love the person, right? And don't, hopefully it's not me. Well, hopefully you love me, but anyways. Don't, 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 don't you love the person who can find the fault in everything, right? Can find the fault in the world, can find the fault in the church, can find the fault with an individual, and yet they have no answers. All they know is how to find fault, right? You know the type. But that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit finds fault, but the Holy Spirit also regenerates, right? The Holy Spirit does convict, but the Holy Spirit will not leave us in our sin. The Holy Spirit actually does have the solution for our sin nature, for our sin problem, does He not? And it is the role of the Holy Spirit to convict, and so too it is the role of the Holy Spirit to regenerate 
to save, to be caused to be born again. And here in this verse in John chapter 3, if you remember, well, probably a year ago by now, as we looked at that text, we see a baptized in the water and in the spirit. What is meant by that? Some would like to think of a water baptism. That's certainly not the case. And I don't want to rehash that, but just to remind you once again what, what, what Jesus is speaking of here of, of water. Uh, because this is going to bring us to our text today. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it says, by the, we are renewed by the washing of the water with what? With the word. We are washed with the water of the word. John chapter 15, verse 3. You are already clean, Jesus said, because of the word which I spoke to you. The solution is found in the word of God. The solution is found in Scripture. But the Scripture doesn't save us, does it? Scripture doesn't save anyone. You know, sometimes I have been accused, and quite often actually, of worshiping the Bible. I don't worship the Bible, but it is the Word of God that washes. It is the Word of God that gives us our instruction. It is the Word of God that leads us and guides us, is it not? It is the work of the Trinity that saves a person. It is the Father who chooses. It is the Son who redeems. It is the Spirit who who seals. It's a Trinitarian event. And so the role of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate. And this is the water. This is the Word, right? This is the role of the Holy Spirit to illuminate that text for us. And and rightfully, um, and I want to hone in here just a little bit, so this will be verse 26 of our text today. You know, people sometimes rightly, rightly will ask, well, how can we have the Bible, right? How can we have this thing we call the Bible that was written 2,000 years ago, and it was actually, many of the people who recorded this for us, was 50 years or so later. I mean, some of it was earlier, some of it was longer, but 50 years or so later after the fact. Well, how can that be? And you know what? That's actually a really good question, is it not? Because I don't know about you. I don't remember anything from 50 years ago. I was born, but barely. I don't remember that from 50. How, how, do you, how do you remember those things? Well, our answer is right here in our text here today. It's in verse 26. And look at it. I want you to see it. I want you to, to know. <clears throat> but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. You see that? He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. And this is why I am constantly saying it is the job of the Holy Spirit, it is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text here for us. Therefore, we too can be confident in the accuracy of Scripture. In fact, your faith depends upon the accuracy of the Scriptures, of the Bible, of the New Testament, Old Testament, however you want to label it. Your faith depends upon the accuracy of the text. And I know there's times that people will will challenge me on that, and I'm I'm always good with that. I'm always like, well, let's go to the text and see uh, what it actually says. And so I want to do that. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because these are questions that you hear. These are questions that you yourself may ask and and wrestle with. And I want to help you this morning. 
to, to, to be able to think through some of that. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I just want to spend a little bit of time here this morning as we think of the, uh, 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 the Holy Spirit illuminating the text, the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance as the authors recorded these things for us, and, and also this, that you can have confidence in the Scriptures that we have. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 1, it says, Now, this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also you received, in which also you stand. So I, I pre- you heard this word, you, you received it, you stand in it, verse 2, by which also you are saved. If there's a condition in, attached to this, if indeed you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Now here we go. Verse 3. For, guard connecting what came before it, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to what? According to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to what? According to the Scriptures. Jump down to verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jump down to verse 14 or, or write it down. You can check it out later. Paul goes on to say, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is also in vain. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Now listen. Listen, this is the argument that I get into. This is the discussion I get into into with with folks uh, through social media at times and places like that also. And, and that is like, well, no, our faith is just dependent upon our faith is just dependent upon the, the is not dependent upon a book, as one popular pe- preacher speaker likes to say. Our faith isn't dependent upon a book. It's dependent upon an event. And as I informed him, you wouldn't even know about that event if we didn't have the book, right? I mean, you can't do away with one without the other. And so what I want to offer you this morning, you look through all the ancient texts, you look all through through the early texts, all through the, the ancient literature, and you will find nowhere the case for the resurrection of Jesus outside the biblical text. So if we cannot depend upon the accuracy of our Bible, Paul says, your faith is in vain, your faith is worthless. Right? Scripture is either all true, or we have to question all of Scripture. Let me say that again. Scripture is either all true, or we have to question all of Scripture. Now, I, I know that that kind of goes against the grain as some. Uh, what I'm saying is there's people that say, well, no, I believe and I want to follow the life of Jesus. Okay, so you've chosen to believe that part of the biblical text. What authority or what process did you go through to discern who left you empowered to discern which part of Scripture is accurate and which part of Scripture is not? Hmm? Who? How do you make your choice? How do you make your decision? And that's my point. Over and over and over again, I say it, and people don't... Listen, I don't mean to be alarming or anything like that, but if I did not believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility and the inspiration of this book, I'm done. 
I'm done. Literally, I am done. Why? Why would I? There's no other place you can go that talks about Jesus and there's salvation unto no one else other than Jesus, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Where are you going to get that? You believe that? Sure. But if the Bible isn't true, and I know I'm just honing in on that because it is so important. Every generation must do battle for the inerrancy of Scripture. And, I, and I'm doing my, I'm trying, I'm trying to do that too. This is constantly while you'll hear me say, and while you hear me pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit, illuminate this text for me so that I can understand it, and so that I know how to apply it, so I know how to receive it. Listen, the self-help talks found in so many churches today, listen, they've led to a famine in the land. The starvation for lack of biblical literacy. This type of non-biblical, man-centered so-called preaching have created grazers. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll take a little bit of this. I'll certainly take John 3.19, 3.16. Which one is it? 3.16. i got to see what 3.19 is. It came to mind. Right? I'll take this, but I won't take this. I'll choose this, but I won't choose that. How, how can you do that? And we have churches that are picking and choosing and no solid full-course meal, including the peas and the pumpkin pie, might I add. Right? Right? Hmm. Some of the sermons, some of the talks, some of the self-help sermons that we hear scattered with a verse or two um, to, to ease our conscience and to realize and to think, well, that person's coming from the Bible. No, it's just a self-help talk is all that it is. Right? We have solid understanding when we have solid understanding and we understand um, the purpose and the nature of the Holy Spirit. And the verses like, like, like 27 won't be so troubling. Won't, will bring us comfort, actually. We can actually take what Jesus said. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you. I mean, do you believe that? Right? I mean, do you have that? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you peace. Do not. That's indicative. That's an that's a, that's a, that's a order. That's a statement by Jesus. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Sometimes some of the most fearful and troubled people are those who name the name of Christ. Why is that? Why is that? We must. We must. We must have confidence in the biblical text. We won't let our heart be troubled. We won't let it be dominated by fear because we know we know our Lord Jesus Christ is returning. Verse 28, right? Jesus says, well, I'm going. I'm coming back. I'm not going to leave you. See, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict. The role of the Holy Spirit won't leave us there. The Holy Spirit will regenerate, born anew, born again. The Holy Spirit will illuminate the text for us. And the Holy Spirit will intercede, number four, intercede on our behalf. John chapter 14, verse 16, a verse we just went over here a week or two ago, where Jesus said is actually what started this whole series. Back to John 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. I will give you another helper, parakletos, 
That's a challenging word to interpret. That's why you have so many different interpretations of it in the English language. But it's really to intercede. It's really there to be to be a helper. And for this point, again, I want to go to Romans 8. And I want to spend just a little bit of time in Romans 8. Again, as I'm just using this as springboard, as we think about the role of the Holy Spirit, right? The role of the Holy Spirit. So we go to Romans chapter 8. How many of us do not have it memorized? Romans 8, 28. Right? How many of us do not have it pinned up every which way? But it too has a context. It has a, a context. How many sermons have you heard preached on Romans chapter 8, 28? How many devotionals have you read based upon this verse alone? But it has a context. And I want to give you that context here this morning. And I know you're capable of doing your own, uh, but I want, to, I want to do it for you this morning here. And I actually want to go back, I guess, to verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. And just to give you a little bit of context for that, and Kenny was talking about the creation this morning, and, and, I, and you know me, I think, how, how much I love nature and how much I feel so connected uh, to God through nature and through creation. But let me tell you, the creation is not perfect. The creation is fallen. I always find it somewhat interesting when people talk about um, organics, right? Or people talk about natural remedies. Okay, you do realize that the organics and the natural remedies are also under the curse, Right? <laughs> right? I mean, so it's like, what, what, what? You're saying something was spared? Nothing was spared. It's all under the curse. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, they're, they're, they're not. What does he say? They're not worthy compared to the glory. And he continues and says, anxious, creation itself is anxiously longing. For creation itself was subjected to fertility. Right there it is. Creation itself is, is, is subjected to, to the curse God has placed upon creation for a time period, for a short period of time. The whole creation groans and suffers, right? Right along with, with us. We ourselves groan within ourselves. And see, so here we go now. I want to jump down to verse 26. That's, that's the context that we find this in, that Paul is talking and saying, look, 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 look. things are tough. Things are groaning. Things are, you know, things are difficult. But he goes to verse 26. But this is, this is why the Spirit intercedes for us. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. But we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now listen, verse 27, And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now I accidentally came across this because I've been reading and rereading and rereading and rereading through Romans uh, every morning. Uh, from my own devotional as I prepare sometime or another to preach through Romans, actually. Um, but all of a sudden, this just jumped out and it clicked for me. Right? So God, who knows the heart, right? The Spirit is within us, interceding on our behalf. So God knows the heart. God knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit prays on our behalf. Verse 27, because He intercedes for the saints. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Right? So God knows the heart. God knows the heart of us, knows the heart of the Spirit. The Spirit knows, knows our mind, knows what we need, knows what's within. The Spirit also knows, knows what? Knows the will of God. That's how the Spirit can pray and intercede for us. Then we come to verse 28. And we know that God causes all things 
all things to work together for good. To who? To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. See, see, this is how we can pray, not my will be done as Jesus himself prayed, but your will be done. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit, to know our hearts, to know our minds, to know the heart of God, to know the will of God. That's why the Spirit can pray on our behalf the way that we cannot pray for ourselves. And that's why I often also like to tell you and remind you that there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Anytime we talk about an unanswered prayer, what we're speaking of is not answered the way I wanted it to be answered, right? And I can be a two-year-old and throw a temper tantrum and say, God, I demand you answer this prayer according to the way I want it. Good luck with that, right? No, the Spirit knows the will of God. The Spirit knows the will of God. God knows what's best for us. That's the, that's the role of the Spirit, to intercede on our behalf. See, this is the role of the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you can't claim Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 is for those who, who love God. Those who love God. And this brings us finally to the, to the last point here, and that is the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide. Is to guide in John chapter 16, verse 13 where it says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. See, the Holy Spirit is our guide. Simply meaning acquiring information. Acquiring knowledge. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It illuminates the truth for us as we see it in here and can guide us in the way of God. can guide us throughout life, right? I mean, that's exactly what he's, he's saying here. And so therefore, let's come all the way back to the beginning section here, verse 16, where we see in verse 16 what Jesus said, I will ask the Father. He will give you a helper. He will give you the Spirit. He will give you, give you this advocate, intercessor, mediator, encourager, legal assistant, one called alongside to help. All those words are, are used in that one little word as helper. So the role of the Spirit. It's a great mystery. Jesus promised His followers that He would send this helper, the Spirit. And it is still the promise today for all who surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Christ, right? All those who name the name of Christ have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not just for a select group, a select role of Christian. No, it's for all Christians. In fact, it's only Christians who have the Holy Spirit. So I trust, as we went through this little exercise over the past three, three Sundays that we focused in on the role of the Holy Spirit, Hopefully, maybe gave you a bit of a different perspective because the Holy Spirit can be a very divisive uh, topic if we hone in on the gifts and what that looks like. And so I purposefully stayed away and shied away from that because I think many of it's misled and misguided. And I wanted you to really think of the Holy Spirit as, as a person, not just a power, but a person of the, the, of the Trinity. And that Jesus has indeed left and gave each one of his followers the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit... Uh, will will convict, will regenerate, will illuminate the text for us, and the Holy Spirit will also intercede, and the Holy Spirit will guide us, will guide us. Father, I pray 
um, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, that you would search the heart and search the mind. Father, for some reason, the topic of the Holy Spirit can be so divisive. Um, it's not how you meant it. It's not how you create it. Divisiveness, non-unity is not from you. It's from the evil one. And so, Father, I pray that as we, as we think about this third person of the Trinity, oh, Lord, that as, um, as we reflect upon your scriptures, as we reflect upon our life, as we reflect upon our, our challenges, the decisions that we have to make day to day, hour to hour. Uh, Father, and as we uh, continue to relate to each other. Father, would you help us to acknowledge and to realize, and depend upon uh, the person, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that each believer of yours has, and know that you haven't left us as an orphan. You have given us a helper. You've given us an advocate. You've given us legal counsel. So I pray, Lord, that you would make this very real in our life here today. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.